Hello, thank you for listening to this podcast. My name is Stephen Cook. I'm the team rector of the Northmore Team Ministry in Devon. And this is a talk for the 10th of October 2021. And it's based on Hebrews chapter 4, verses 12 to 16. The letter to the Hebrews is a part of the Bible people tend to come to some way on in their Christian journey. At first reading, it seems very obscure and concerned with things that don't concern us. Chapter 11 onwards is a bit easier with its exploration of faith and some practical instructions, but the early chapters feel very convoluted with their mentions of angels and Melchizedek. Once you get past that, though, there is so much to explore and treasure, and I'd like to dip into it with you today. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast to our confession. Much of the letter is an exploration of this idea of Jesus as the high priest. Like most books of the Bible, much ink has been spilled over the dating of this letter, but the consensus seems to be somewhere in the early 60s of the first century. So the temple in Jerusalem still had been standing with its elaborate rituals of sacrifice and orders of priesthood. The radical Christian understanding is that all that provision of animal sacrifice was just a prefiguring of the one true sacrifice that could take away sins once for all, and that the death of Jesus had opened the way for all of us to enter into the presence of God without the need for any intermediaries. That's the idea that the author of the book is exploring. I became a Christian in a low church evangelical context, and even when I was ordained, I was reluctant to use the word priest about myself. When I read the New Testament, I saw two kinds of priests. The priest of Jesus, as per the letter to the Hebrews, who had offered the one true sacrifice once for all on the cross, and the priesthood of all believers, who were to follow in the steps of Jesus and be channels of God's grace into the world. What I didn't see was the need for a separate caste of priests to stand between God and his people and act as intermediaries. That seemed to me to be a very Old Testament idea, and we are a New Testament people. So I was happy to be called a vicar or a minister, but priest seemed to be a loaded negative term, and I avoided it whenever I could. I'm going to read part of the service for the ordination of priests as it was read to me by the bishop when I was ordained. It runs, Priests are called to be servants and shepherds among the people to whom they are sent. With their bishop and fellow ministers, they are to proclaim the word of the Lord and to watch for the signs of God's new creation. They are to be messengers, watchmen and stewards of the Lord. They are to teach and to admonish, to feed and provide for his family, to search for his children in the wilderness of this world's temptations and to guide them through its confusions, that they may be saved through Christ forever. Formed by the word, they are to call their hearers to repentance and to declare in Christ's name the absolution and forgiveness of their sins. With all God's people, they are to tell the story of God's love. They are to baptise new disciples in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and to walk with them in the way of Christ, nurturing them in the faith. They are to unfold the scriptures, to preach the word in season and out of season, and to declare the mighty acts of God. They are to preside at the Lord's table and lead his people in worship, offering with them a spiritual sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving. They are to bless the people in God's name. 
They are to resist evil, support the weak, defend the poor, and intercede for all in need. They are to minister to the sick and prepare the dying for their death. Guided by the Spirit, they are to discern and foster the gifts of all God's people, that the whole church may be built up in unity and faith. Wow. Sounds grand, even heroic, doesn't it? I think there are about 9,000 paid clergy in the Church of England, maybe as many unpaid, so 20,000 tops. Now, I can tell you, we can't do all this. This is the task of the whole church. We together are to search for God's children in the wilderness and guide them back and all the rest of it. It's our job. And as soon as we start thinking it's their job, this little bunch of people we have singled out and given a special uniform, then we're back in the Old Testament. You don't need someone you call vicar or reverend or father or pastor or padre or whatever else to do your religion for you. That would be shirking your responsibilities. You don't need someone to go into the presence of God and then come out with a shining face and tell you what God says like Moses did. Because Jesus has opened the way for you to enter into the presence of God yourself. Ordained people of whatever denomination have no monopoly on holiness. Goodness me, you've got, only got to read the papers this week with their revelations about the church in France to see that. Jesus is our high priest. Because he was fully human, subject to the same temptations that we are, and that's worth dwelling on when you have time. Think of the temptations you face and where they come from. I know that Jesus faced the same ones. Because Jesus was fully human, he is able to represent us in the presence of God. He wasn't an angel dressed up as a human being. He was 100% flesh and blood as we are, with all the joys and pains that come with being human. Jesus is our representative. He is the door, the gate, the living way into the very presence of God. And you are all priests. You can declare blessing. You can forgive and be forgiven. You can read and interpret the scriptures. I have no special power that you don't have. And I would be doing you a big disservice if I told you that I did. Now, you might be thinking that I'm talking myself out of a job, but before you rush off to cancel your standing orders, let me tell you why I have come to be more comfortable about calling myself a priest. When I stand at the communion table, I am a representative. Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. Communion is an act of remembrance, a commemoration. We call to mind the events of that first Last Supper and all it represented, the body broken for us, the blood of the new covenant. It's a holy drama in which for those few moments I play the part of Jesus, speaking the words of Jesus to you. This is my body. This is my blood. So I'm representing Jesus, but at the same time, I'm representing all of you. As a priest in the Church of England, I'm not allowed to celebrate communion on my own. There has to be someone else there because this is not magic. This is prayer, the prayer of the whole people of God. Parts of the Eucharistic prayer which are addressed to God are spoken on behalf of all of us. This is our prayer and I'm just your spokesperson. Now, of course, the church has to think very carefully about its representatives. The horrible scandals of the last few years, as the lid has been taken off decades of abuse, 
reveals two things. One is how badly wrong things can go when you don't have sufficient scrutiny and filtering of who you allow to represent you. And the other, how easy it is for the power of priesthood to be abused when it's given to damaged or immoral people. The church in the past has given its representatives power and failed to supervise or hold them to account, and the result has been disaster. No human being should hold the kind of unaccountable power that we have given to ministers of all persuasions in the past, because experience tells us that some ministers of all persuasions will abuse it if we do. And it is very hard to tell in advance who will and who won't. So I hold it a great honour to be called a priest. I'm holding in one hand the task of representing the priesthood of all believers and the task of representing the high priesthood of Jesus. I'm no one special, but I have been entrusted with this precious task, which so often involves trying to get out of the way and allowing the Holy Spirit to work. It's not heroic, but it is an enormous privilege. But what I want you to take away with you from listening to this is the priesthood of Jesus. The fact that there is no barrier, no curtain, no gatekeeper between you and the presence of God and your own priesthood. The task that God has given to his church of being a channel of God's grace into the world. I'm going to end with the last couple of verses from Hebrews chapter 4, which remind us of our weakness in Christ's strength and the freedom that each one of us has to enter into the presence of God. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathise with our weaknesses, but we have one who in every respect has been tested as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore approach the throne of grace with boldness, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. May God bless this word to us. Amen.